This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by the succulent ignorer. It's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? I am not a succulent ignorer. I am very attentive to my extremely alive succulents. Uh, I was, in fact, looking at new succulents yesterday. I didn't buy any, but I was thinking about it. So I uh, demand you take that back. That is defamatory. <laughs> I'll have to see the succulents first. All right. I'm, I'm going to take a photo, and then you can come do an in-person assessment for All Out Weekend or something. Okay. All Out. I'll check them out. And I'll get those uh, things hung up for you. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> we can do it. That's fine, too. That's right. Okay. We are also joined by our buddy, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm under the weather, but I'm powered up by the fact that we have a lot of TV talk, and we have All Out in nine days. Nine days, yeah, nine days. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that powers me up too. Yeah, I'll get up in your neck of woods, Nate. I'm ready to do it. Let's do this. All right. uh, how are you doing, A.B.? I'm great. I'm wondering if you're powered up by the by the power of a small blue pill that could sponsor the show in the future. Yeah, I, You're doing a great job <laughs> of preparing yourself for this. I'm proud of you and your commitment for any brands that would like to associate with us, please feel free to tweet at us, just slide in our DMs at everything AEW, and we'll talk this out. Is it a pill? Because the, the operative word is chew, right? Yeah, I guess I don't know. It, Me neither. Well, here's the thing. If they decide to give us money and ask us to hawk their, their wares on this show, we will do uh, an insane amount of research. Uh, I am willing to put my body up for testing to see how it works, what effect it would have, and whether you uh, swallow it or chew it, <laughs> I'll find out. Yeah, I wouldn't want to chew it if it's a pill. That would be gross, probably. Yeah, it'd be. I'm imagining yeah. more of like a gummy. Gummies seem like they're having a moment. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, Mike doesn't have any uh, interest in being involved in this conversation. Hey, you already agreed that if this thing was to sponsor us, that you're taking care of this one. I'm willing to do, you know, razor services, butt wipes. I'm a, willing to do underwear, I, food, meal prep, like all of that. You just already, okay. you, you've been on the record about this uh, as your colored uh, uh, sexual wellness device. So that's your lane. I'm just sticking to our lanes here. I uh, just to put it out there. I just got like a, a new memory phone mattress pad, like four inches, the whole uh, kitten, kitten caboodle. So I do not need a mattress sponsorship, but meal prep would be, that'd be great. That'd be easy for me. Let's put that out in the universe. Okay. I'm glad that we all smartly talked about product without mentioning any names. I mean, I think that was really good. We're very savvy. Y you got to pay me if you want to go that far. You got to, I got to see the money in my account. Then I'll say their names. But until then, nah, just be vague. And as Mike mentioned, you can either DM us about products you want us to sell for you or follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, that's Fuji with two eyes like Don Fuji. I guess you could go through one of us independently if you're like, no, this product, we only want Nate to do the ad read. You know, just DM him and make it happen. Yeah, I think that we can all, we're all independent contractors on this podcast. So that's in play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Make sure you subscribe to the show. 
You can search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Uh, you'll get our show basically every Thursday night. That's usually when we record and then Mike edits these bad boys. So make sure you're getting it as soon as we're done with it. Not a ton to talk about this week, but some big stories. We're going to talk about the Wednesday Night War. It's coming, folks. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about All Out, of course, because as Mike said, we're nine days away. And my friends, we got some big Tony Schiavone news. Are you all ready? And it's not about his cameos. <laughs> I, I, I want to get to a point where we can do our own cameos. You know, I know Joe Lanza has looked into this before, but I feel like that we'd be a good person. I mean, why wouldn't you want to have a message for me saying, hey, it's your old pal Iron Mike Spears here wanting to wish you a happy bar mitzvah. Like, I'm willing to do these things. I Mike, do Mike has also said he's happy to officiate any weddings out there for any big E podheads that are getting married. He can do that. Yeah. I, I'm already an ordained minister, so it's cool to go. I've already Shit, got things go. Yeah, I can do like this is your wedding day. I can do that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, Nate is going to recap BTE for us. But let's start with the big story of the week: the uh, big Trump fundraiser. WWE has announced that NXT is officially moving to Wednesdays live on USA starting September 18th. Of course, that will go right up against AEW and their Wednesday night show, which I guess we don't know the name of yet. Although NXT is going to have a two-week head start on AEW. So the best place to start before we get into some details that we have on this is, Nate, what do you think about the competition? How do you think it's going to play out? Just general thoughts on this. Um, I think that this is pretty exciting, I guess. It's exciting to have two competing major league um, pro wrestling promotions with television on at the same time. It's really the first time since like one week where TNA ran on Mondays since the Attitude Era, since the Monday Night Wars, where we've actually had head-to-head -head pro wrestling programming. I cannot imagine that I'm going to be like switching channels to check out what's on NXT or anything. Like I really have next to no interest in NXT because I mean, I did just call it major league, but it is the minor league of a very bad promotion. So it's, you know, would be like watching, I don't know, NFL Europe or something like that. Like there's just no point to it. So even if it's like technically good, it's like there's really a, a very low ceiling on how good it can be. Cause you know that none of it really matters anyway. But that, that element of it is sort of exciting. It's sort of exciting to have two things going simultaneously and, and theoretically competing for eyeballs. That's like real wrestling war, you know, the, the business is booming again sort of shit. Yeah, this was going to happen. Like, I think everyone would be kidding themselves if they thought that Vince McMahon with available TV footage was not going to just jump in here and try to muscle out anyone. I mean, he's done much yeah, I mean, he started a branch of his developmental just despite ITV before. So, like, this is just, like, straight up his alley. I think it, when we get into numbers and stuff, there's a lot of stuff that I think is, that's incredibly dumb about WWE doing this. I'm going to wave that flag. And, hey, Nate, I, I'm sorry you weren't a really big, like, Rhineland Gold fan. I think that was one of the teams, the Rhineland Gold was one of the NFL <laughs> Europe teams. Uh, that might be actually the XFL now. I'm not yeah. sure. They they have a lot of shared logos and stuff, I know. So that does sound right, but I'm not, I can't place it exactly. Plus, why would you watch NFL Europe when the, the Meyer League is already college football? Right. 
and that like has like a genuine separate appeal whereas mm-hmm. instead of just being a worse version of it i do so dave and brian alvarez on the observer had a big argument about this about nxt going head to head nxt starts two weeks before i think two weeks before AEW starts on tv and while dave is like almost always smarter than brian when they really disagree about something i usually find myself agreeing with brian maybe that just means i'm dumb um <laughs> but I, th- I think it's a mistake for nxt to start before AEW because a couple reasons. First, once AEW starts, everyone that's like curious is already going to know what NXT looks like on USA. They're already going to know, okay, these are the guys they're pushing. Um, you know, these are the matches they're building. This is what the arena looks like. This is what the production looks like. That's all going to be old news. So of course they're going to be curious and see, well, let's see what the competition is doing. Let's see how that's different. So I think they're sort of short shooting themselves in the foot that way. And uh, as Brian mentioned, also, like, you're just getting the wrestling watching audience in the habit of looking at wrestling on Wednesday nights. And that's just going to work to AEW's advantage a little bit. So certainly there will be some detrimental effect, I think, on AEW's viewership. But also you've got NXTs available on the network the next day. So, like, if you're at all curious, if you're not like one of these true WWE weirdos who will only watch Vince McMahon's Muppet show, then... Like you got to watch AEW live and you can just watch the other one at your leisure. My point back to that, Nate, is are there people, is there a universe of people who just will not find out that AEW exists? Like if you have the NXT, it's going to be on USA, which we talked about. There were some reports it would be on Fox Sports 1. It's going to be on USA. And one argument I've seen is that, well, and I guess this was Vince McMahon's argument internally, was that, well, our fans are already trained to watch wrestling on USA. There are not fans currently who are trained to watch wrestling on TNT. So, and obviously they're going to push NXT on, on Raw and SmackDown, I'm sure. So is there just a, a large group of people who just won't find out about AEW and they're not going to tune in, even though they're already, they already know what NXT looks like? Not anymore. Uh, that There was a audience of wrestling fans that did not know about AEW. That was evidenced by two things off the top of my head. One, Sami Zayn mentioned AEW and it caused a huge spike in Googles for people trying to figure out what that was. Um, And then we have the pay-per-view purchase numbers that suggest there's very little crossover between AEW buyers and WWE buyers, which means there are WWE buyers, people that don't don't use the network, but buy the pay-per-view that were not buying the AEW pay-per-views, even though we know they're wrestling fans with money to spend on pay-per-view. In addition to those, this is going to raise awareness of AEW because people are going to go, oh, wow, NXT's moving to network or moving to cable television now. I have to change my sort of plan for watching that. When they go to look that sort of stuff up, when they look to see, okay, when does it go live, et cetera, what's my USA channel or whatever, they're going to see, oh, yeah, this is because there's Wednesday at Wars now and they're going head-to-head with another wrestling promotion. Like, That's going to be what the coverage is in your... Um, you know, deadlines and uh, fucking wrestling sheets and all those sort of uh, television covering publications. So, yeah, the, the people that are at all cognizant of WWE programming will have to be aware of AEW by the time we get to the first TV. Yeah, I think that we're to a point now with the with the advertising and marketing that if people were going to be ignorant of it, like it's now five weeks away now I, in reasonable terms it's five weeks away and i think that turner has between doing their tv ads which they've done a lot of on turner media products war media sorry 
and then also doing like Hobbs and Shaw and other methods. I think they've done a great job of doing that, that the audience that when you include Sami Zayn's mention and the Google spikes. And also I've seen the trends between NXT and AEW. There's some pretty wide disparities going on between the two. I think that it's the idea that there's not going to be people who haven't, who are unfamiliar with AEW at this point is going to be relatively small, especially given, I mean, now we're really talking about two programs on basic cable and not just on, on a sport, one on a sports station, one on TNT. What do you guys think winning looks like? I mean, we're calling it a war, so ideally somebody would win and somebody would lose. Obviously, WCW ultimately loses the Monday Night War. Obviously, if WWE wins, if NXT wins, AEW, ultimately TNT doesn't renew their TV, their TV goes away, the company probably crumbles. But if AEW wins, what does that look like? What effect does it have on WWE and their product generally if AEW starts beating them in the ratings and looks to be the uh, the most watched show on Wednesday nights? Well, in the first place, I think the the first thing that we might see is the fact that if they're not drawing the ratings that USA wants, NXT only has a two-year contract, apparently. So that's going to get yanked pretty quickly. I think that the idea that a rising sea benefits all ships is kind of bullshit here because we're dealing with a sundowning, potentially dementia-addled old man in charge of this company who suddenly is going to have his fingerprints all over this. Don't kid yourself to think that he's going to be hands-off and let his son-in-law still watch over uh, NXT. This is a war that Vince was seeing, and he's going to have his hands all over it. So don't think like this means that AEW does well. That means that the entering content or the television content of WWE is going to be better. These are two completely unrelated things. I think for the, the big thing for AEW, if they win, I think is that this opens up them for a huge world of opportunities, especially with the fact that so far we've seen that they've trended younger, which is a big thing for TV viewers, that they're going to kind of become the popular thing. And I think that's something that will really open up things with like their ad share and other methods that, you know, who's to say that we might not have like Kenny Omega showing up at like a hockey game and then like being able to do things for Turner and then, or do basketball or baseball games like like this is the kind of thing like this takes off for AEW. There's a lot of opportunities. I don't see the opportunities really for NXT. So I think if you know uh, NXT doesn't rise to the challenge or whatever, and they don't get a satisfactory number of viewers, or their viewers just kind of plateau and trickle off and start to match the sort of uh, you know loss and in interest that the other WWE shows have done. Um, I mean, I think the probable things that would happen would it would stop being live they'd just start running a tape show on usa um or just usa would cancel them or move them into a uh, less competitive time slot i guess they would have probably very little impact on the rest of what wwe does because we know they have their giant money deals on all of their other shows um if we're just looking at it in terms of the head-to-head -head matchup there um, so, you, you know, it, it would be like a cool feather in the cap for AEW in that regard, but it's not going to be like considerably destructive to the WWE's future with the exception that I think they already have way too much content, right? That's going to three hours is one of the things that has driven a lot of people away from that promotion in the first place. Now they have 
an, an extra hour on Wednesday and a theoretically more uh, uh, essential hour. It's more essential two hours on Wednesday than they used to have. Um, and then you've got two hours on Friday and Dave says they're looking at adding an additional hour to SmackDown or like some sort of studio show associated with SmackDown. All of this works against WWE in the big picture and just drives people away and says, there's so much of this that you should watch or that is like an integral part of the canon here that it just makes people less likely to watch any of it. And I, you can see this in a lot of uh, different properties, but basically you're flooding the market with so much content that it makes all of your own content seem less important. And luckily that has not seemed to have affected AEW's content to this point. That was sort of like one of my concerns when they were still had yet not yet announced a television deal. But so AEW could benefit in that regard. Like if adding NXT makes Raw less important to people and makes SmackDown less important to people and makes the pay-per-views less important to people, it all just sort of adds to the, uh, you know, uh, general... Uh, uh, slowing or uh, uh, deterioration of interest in the promotion as a whole. So again, I, you know, this is the Vince playbook to do this, but I think there's more to be lost from this than is to be gained from the WWE perspective. All right, let's look at some of the numbers as we go into, you know, what we're going to be measuring this all against when it starts happening. The, we were talking a bit earlier about the fact that everybody thought they were going to go on FS1, but they've gone on USA. And apparently the, the key point about that was that uh, FS1 is in fewer homes than TNT. And there was some real concern within WWE that AEW could beat them in the ratings with TNT versus Fox Sports 1. So what we know now is, uh, and this is from uh, Lavi Margolin, and if I'm uh, butchering that, I'm sorry, Lavi. Uh, he's on Twitter and he posted that in 2018, I think this covers all their programming. USA averaged 1.48 million viewers and TNT averaged 1.26 million viewers. It's a little closer in the 18 to 49 demo, uh, 0.59 million to 0.56 million. So, you know, not negligible, but a small difference. And my understanding is in that time slot, uh, they had suits on USA and they were doing around a million viewers. So, NXT has to do a million viewers, I think, for this to work out for them, regardless of what uh, AEW does. But any thoughts on just the the comparisons between these uh, networks? Does that mean anything to you as far as how this is going to go? Uh, I think TNT is like a more vital and vibrant network compared to USA. USA really seems like the WWE network at this point, which is not a cool brand to be associated with. Um I mean, even in terms of wrestling promotion brands, whereas TNT is like, oh, we're the NBA channel. Like, we're young and hip and uh, yeah. And diverse. the NBA is like increasingly cooler. I mean, it's like more and more in the zeitgeist. I think. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the sports league that young and uh, hip and affluent people watch. Um, USA is like, we used to have suits. We used to have Bird Notice and these other popular cable dramas. Dramedies, psych. We used to have that sort of programming. Now we have uh, disgraced reality showman Todd <laughs> Chrisley and uh, 14 hours of WWE a week, and it's all dog shit. Like <laughs> USA, like I don't know what they're doing. Well, like on top of this, I took a moment to look this up because this was posted by Brandon Howard Thurston. Was the basic cable rankings in 2018? How that that you mentioned it a little bit before AB about how their numbers pretty close together 
there is about 30,000 difference there between 18 to 49. And I think I've harped about this a lot on the show is 18 to 49 is really where you make your money ad split wise. And for AEW, this is where they're going to be making their money anyways from the network because they have an ad share agreement. If you look at this, so USA has 30,000 more basically viewers per week. However, if you look at the percentage change, and this goes with what Nate's saying about TNT being a network on the come up, especially with the demographic, USA is down 12% amongst 18 to 49. And the only uh, one of the demographics they go up at with is the uh, over 55 demographic, which is one of the worst ones to sell ads for, whereas TNT is going, has gone up, has gone up 1%. And I'm looking at the rest of the top 10. It's one of the only few networks that is recording positive change amongst 18 to 49 demographics. So this is definitely kind of changing like spheres when you're going from Fox Sports 1, which had the whole issue with college basketball that they would have to figure out to USA. But it, it looks like that is a healthier network and a network that can capitalize more on this 18 to 49 demographic. And I think that's really key for both TNT and for AEW to be able to get consumers and fans hopefully that stick with it long-term versus ones that are just there out of habit like WWE. I don't think there's any question that like young people are not coming to WWE now. And I think if you're at AEW shows or you see AEW stuff on TV, I think it's a much more likely product to draw in new young fans. Yeah. It's not humiliating to watch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, we also know that, uh, this is according to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, USA is going to be paying in the range of 30 to $50 million per year uh, over what appears to be two years for the NXT show. The $50 million, I don't know, Dave says, we confirmed a price tag of more than $50 million. I think he means for the whole deal. Correct. Then he says that Curry Baker of Guggenheim claimed he was told by WWE it was $30 million a year, but couldn't confirm if it was one or two. So... When you look at all that, uh, per Dave's reporting, the NXT deal and the AEW deal come down to be pretty similar. And he he notes that it's especially similar uh, when you consider that WWE gives up 15% of its deal to CAA, who does the negotiating, while Tony Khan did the TNT deal himself. And WWE is a proven television producer. AEW has zero track record. So... They're starting off on pretty even footing, which has to piss Vince off. Uh, but obviously, I mean, that doesn't tell us anything about where it goes from here. Yeah. And on top of that, we see this money and it's assumed that and we already know that TNT is covering all production costs for for AEW. Traditionally, USA and Fox do not cover production costs for the for their shows for SmackDown and Raw. So no, I think it's in the in the price. It is in the price. Okay, so they're including what would be their rebate back for it. I, they may be saying, here's this money so you can pay for production costs. Right, okay. But that's my understanding. Yeah, so it, it's still one of those things that when you look at this, and then as well, there's no ad split here. So so AEW, if they, I think the number that I've seen, and I'm not positive, I've been on a lot of cold medication, was like a million and a half maybe, or two million was when they really could like double up their rights fees. So, I mean, there's there's more incentive to grow for AEW on Wednesday than it is for NXT to just do there and just to put out two more hours of mediocre wrestling in a venue that, they, that they're not making any money off of. I am, uh, yeah, that is the, they have like their weird little fake 
full sale studio or whatever down there. So they're probably not spending a lot on production except more frequent shows and I guess the longer shows and now they're live. But I am fa- I'm going to be fascinated to see what kind of ads NXT gets versus what AEW gets with the different demographics we know about those two uh, brands. Like I'm guessing NXT is going to have like, you know, gas station snack ads like WWE does and like anti-smoking PSAs and this sort of stuff. I'm interested to see if AEW gets like real ads, you know, if they get like blockbuster motion pictures and cars and watches and that sort of shit. Like, I guess those sort of trend like older audience too, but it's going to, we're going to sort of see that's going to crystallize how the larger media landscape views these two different companies. Let's talk about where these shows are going to be. NXT is going to stay in full sale arena. And if you're not, if you haven't watched NXT, that's where, you know, most of the TV shows are, unless they're somewhere on the road when they film, but they're going to stay there. It fits what? Uh, 400, 400. 400 people. So that'll keep costs down for them, of course, but it's going to be very samey every week. And you have the possibility, as Dave points out, of wearing out the territory, you know, wearing out the fans. Uh, of course, they're on a college campus with about 9,000 students. So, you know, maybe you can cycle through those. But how many people are going to be excited every week, right, as this spreads out? But then, of course, you have AEW, who is to this point, selling out mid-sized arenas every week. And you would think, and we know from the on, past- On real shows, colleges, real college campuses. Right. And we know from past shows that the AEW crowd is especially invested in AEW. Like back when NXT first started, the full sale crowd had that same thing of like, they really rooted for all the wrestlers and, and wanted them to succeed. And now you see that in AEW, it almost doesn't matter what they put out there. The, the crowd- does exactly what the company would hope that they do. So I think that's going to be a real, a real difference uh, between these two television shows. Yeah. Um, and that's also sort of one of like the unanticipated benefits of a wrestling war. Uh, it's like sort of a knock on effect that you have these two fan bases that are particularly invested in one product or the other. So they like things more and that makes everything hotter. And in my opinion, wrestling is more entertaining when the crowd's hot and invested in it. So that's kind of like by having a dog in the fight, so to speak, it kind of just makes the television more entertaining on a week to week basis, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, Dave did a analogized NXT starting up to when Raw started up at the Manhattan Center and was running New York every single week and like how they burned out New York City with Raw every week. Like this is not New York City. This is full sale. So you're going to have the same people coming week after week you're going to have your JJ Williams ones coming week after week. And <laughs> Cody Starbuck. The WWE has been approaching like becoming a TNA tribute promotion for like six years now. And now they're finally doing it. They're just going full TNA. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I just can't imagine it's either going to get super hot shotted the booking and they're just going to be like running wacky things like uh, Goldberg versus Matt Riddle on a random Wednesday night. Um, just to pop a rating and then do three title flips or whatever, or it's going to become incredibly boring week after week. So, you know, I, this is speaking from my perspective, where I have no faith whatsoever than WWE. This is probably going to ruin the actual content of NXT, despite all those hardcores in the crowd. It's wild that like the most likely outcome is that NXT is the last days of WCW. 
that they're, and it might also include hot shot and Goldberg title shots, <laughs> <laughs> which I hadn't thought of till right now, but that same sort of hot shotting and uh, doing bizarre stuff. And, you know, probably like Vince wins the NXT title at some point or, you know, something like that. It's just one of those things that just because I wanted to get a sense of things, I bit the bullet and I watched the takeover from last week. I, wow. And, and can yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have Hulu also, and this stuff shows up on Hulu anyways. So it's one of those things. The takeover show up yeah. on Hulu? NXT has its own thing. So, did not know. I mean, that. they're getting your money anyways at WWE somehow. So, whatever. My my Hulu comes from Spotify, so oh, actually, it might not be the case then. So. My my spot my Hulu money is routed through Blackpink, so it's fine. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, I, I see. Just make sure that Rose gets her money first. I respect that. But uh, I like watched it, and it is some of like the most exhausting two and a half hours of wrestling I've ever seen in my life. And I'm someone who regularly watches five hour Dragon Gate shows that go on forever and are just excess spawn excess. It's just. I don't understand how this is going to be an attractive product week in, week out, two hours long when the TV I've listened to Joe, Joe Lanza's TV reviews and it sounds like hell. And I look at this and I know that that people can have reasons to not like certain things by AEW, but at least it's going to be different at the end of the day. And I just imagine how samey every week it's going to be at full self in front of the same 400, like weird central Florida wrestling fans that show up for everything and they're trying to become the rowdiest people so they can go meet uh I'm trying to think of someone baba tunde in the back so yep. i mean we all know that like uh, two weeks in green shirt guy is going to be in the front row right yeah it's just it, it just the clown. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's, frank the clown's good actually <laughs> okay that yeah, was not, just not to fame but that was mate bait that was Nate Bay. Yeah, I, I know he works Chicago <laughs> Indies, so you have to do some me versus us things. But Frank the Clown's still bad, Nate. I'm sorry. He's good. He's good. But, I watch the shows. Watch the shows. He's a good heel manager. All right. So uh, Dave had a quote from what he calls one television executive of a national station with great familiarity with both wrestling history, the current, I don't know what that means, and the television landscape. And he says this. I think it'll help both shows the first couple of weeks, but fade from there and become a zero-sum game unless one or both get hot and create new demand for wrestling. Which I think is pretty much what Nate said earlier. So I, I think at this point we got to put our cards on the table. I should folks. be a television executive is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yes. O- October 2, 2020. 20, say 2020. Do not say 2020, please. Okay. You, you, started, you, you started to speak and it didn't come through because you were lagging. So I jumped in. I was not being rude there. But also, 2020, don't say that. It's 2020. It's right there. You're saving a syllable. Oh, yeah, I like 2020. No, I don't like 2020. That's it. You didn't say 1,997. Maybe I did. How do you know? No, you said 1997. <laughs> I know for a fact you said 1997. <laughs> uh, so when that day comes, one year from the first AEW show, are one, both, neither still on their television stations at 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights? Your predictions? Yeah, if they have a two-year deal for NXT, then yes. I think both are. I do think that AEW is doing much better weekly ratings. I think only one still survives. A year from the beginning, only one is where it was. Thunder Dome. Thunder Dome. Okay, two enter or one leaves. Which one leaves? 
So here's we're we're doing a lot of this stupid predicting now because that's what we do a lot. Um, we're gonna know way better tomorrow when we see how the Charleston tickets go, because if they do a big number in Charleston, West Virginia, in a building that has never sold out in the history of the building in a single day, then the AEW market awareness and penetration is super fucking high, and they're gonna do big numbers on TV. That's what I think. If Charleston is through the roof, like a lot of the other shows have been through the roof, then, like, uh, then I'm uh, my my doubts and misgivings are like in the rearview mirror because I'm like, oh, this is like super for real. Now I know this is like everybody says this all the time, changing go goalposts, blah blah blah. But like Charleston is not Boston, Charleston is not Chicago, Charleston is not even Las Vegas, even though. It, so it's that's going to be a great metric. So if we just want to like pause it here and come back to this after the tickets go on sale, that would we'd have much more information at that point. All right, well, let's talk about TV. Weeks two and three in Boston and Philly sold out. What we know is they sold 4,500 tickets in Boston, 7,700 tickets in Philly. After they release production kills, they're expecting to have 6,000 tickets in Boston and 9,000 tickets in Philly. I think we all pretty well expected these would sell out. So I don't know that there's anything... Uh, any exciting takes to come out of these? No takes. Good job, okay, guys. No All right, weeks four and five coming up next. This is really when it hit me when I saw uh, Pittsburgh and Charleston that like, oh, they have to be in a different city every week for a TV show. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. Yeah, 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 Aaron. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's just becoming real. You know, it's always <laughs> just kind of been like, uh, we'll see if any of this happens, you know, but like it's happening. It's a real thing. Buddy. This is episode 33 of the podcast. I'm just now <laughs> getting to you that this is happening. jeez. Oh, All right. I don't mean to be savage here, but come on, bud. We're going to get a lot of tweets about that. October 23rd in Pittsburgh. Uh, set up for, I didn't write down the names of the freaking arenas. So that was bad job out of me. Peterson, or the Peterson yeah. Center, I think, in Pittsburgh. Then the other one's the Charleston Coliseum, I think. That's right. So Pittsburgh's going to be set up for about 9,000. This is crazy. They keep telling us we're going to set up for four to 5,000, and here's 9,000. They, they've advertised. Well, I, I'm guessing they're uh, adjusting their expectations based on the demand for the previous shows. Maybe, but don't you think they got a lot of these lined up by now? The setups for the individual arenas? I would not guess so. No, just the arenas. Yeah, but you don't. when you book the arena, you don't have to tell them how many seats. No, but you don't have to book a place that can seat 9,000 people. Oh, no, yeah, I'm sure. But we're talking about the setups. Like, the other buildings could, could hold more people than they're set up for, too. Yeah, I think one of them could s s hold 10K straight. I think it was the uh, Philly building could. So, yeah. They are advertising the following for Pittsburgh. John Moxley is going to be in action. I think that speaks to what we talked about before, Nate, about Chris Jericho being at the first TV show. And they may, and they said he's going to be appearing. So, well, we he, no, he's on the first TV show because he's in the the six man tag with the mystery partners. He's wrestling. Okay, well, there's some show. We talked about Mox, this. Moxley is appearing, but has not been announced as wrestling on the first TV show. Maybe I think. Which again is like, oh, good. They're not going to overexpose everybody by having them do the same matches week in and week out with the same guys. Like that's like honestly, and I said this about New Japan probably two years ago. I like when wrestling promotions save matches and don't make them more than I like when they actually make them. <laughs> like <laughs> I like, I like that Okada and Naito have not wrestled in two years, like more than like almost any other match that another wrestling promotion could put on at this point. 
Because it's like, oh, that, I'm going to be 100 times more invested in that one single match, that one single event when it finally happens than I would have been in the last, you know, eight years of Ring of Honor. We're going to see it on 1-5, my man. Maybe. All right. John Moxley is going to be wrestling in Pittsburgh. They're going to have the semifinals of the tag team tournament and the first defense of the AEW women's title. And then if we look at Charleston set up for 10,000 on October 30, and they're uh, advertising for that, that Chris Jericho is going to be in action and the AEW world tag team champions will be crowned. We've seen, I mean, I think from Tom Bragg sports on Twitter, the setup of the arena. It's actually set up for 10,918. Insane. That's like almost all in. And the prices uh, start at 20, almost at 20 grand. Prices start at $20. And they've downgraded the most expensive tickets to 80 bucks for the Charleston show. So thoughts on, on these two shows? I think that it's very realistic to see or to expect that maybe this is the first AEW world title defense in Charleston just because of that would be something that would be four weeks in, you know, he would already have his first match with the, with, with the surprise partners and then that there, and you could have like a double champion thing going on there. I think that from what all I know about like West Virginia and that whole area, I mean, that's a big wrestling hotbed, like dating back to the territories. Like you would get, I think the uh, Jarrett territory would reach out towards that part because I know it's a all Ohio river Valley. So it's it's interesting. Uh, Pittsburgh, I did notice on BT, they made a really big deal about Britt being from Pittsburgh, going to the University of Pittsburgh, and like this being like her home arena, and this is like the first place she saw wrestling at. So I think that's all pretty cool. I think that, hey, more so than anything, doing the day before Halloween in Charleston, West Virginia, and going for a 10K, that will tell us like how for real everything is. I mean, if they pull that off, then... Holy shit! I'm I'm already done making predictions, but I think that that really puts them like on a good path because, let's be honest, at that point, if you want to combine all the ticket sales for Ring of Honor this year, including Madison Square Garden, they would have easily lapped them in ticket sales. They are the number two company in the, in America. Then, so I think it's interesting. I'm excited to see how it goes tomorrow. Yeah, I'm particularly interested in the Charleston um, date for the previously mentioned reasons. Um, I also noted on our account that after All In, Dave uh, observed that there was like way higher interest in West Virginia relative to other areas. So this is, we see them uh, immediately like playing off those metrics that were observed at the time. Um, but uh, like, it's honestly just kind of cool to have a big TV event there because it doesn't happen otherwise. Like the WWE does not run this building or that market, especially for big events. Um, I think the last... Uh, major uh, wrestling event in West Virginia was like a nitro. So like, that's just cool that those fans are being served when they had not been served previous to this. Um, like I know there were, there were TNA events or whatever, but doesn't really count. Um, so that's just like kind of fun. Like, Oh, like all of a sudden you see like on uh, you know, the wrestling internet or whatever, you know, you never hear anybody talk about being from West Virginia prior to this. And then you have people from West Virginia coming out of the woodwork, work like, holy shit, I'm going to see Major League Wrestling on national cable in front of my eyes. Like, that, you know, this hasn't happened in a generation practically. So that part of it is just like fun from a fandom perspective. Yeah, as Nate was alluding to, the highest concentration of Google searches for All In came from West Virginia with even Nevada behind it. And, you know, 
who was uh oh no that show wasn't in nevada i was thinking of double or nothing uh kentucky pennsylvania and ohio right behind there leaving me hope that louisville or lexington will ultimately see a, a television show on this first loop uh obviously they also must have done well on br live and the double or nothing uh pay-per-view uh, in the charleston area to pick this since we know from the Cody article that that's something that they're doing. Dave noted that per capita, it's a very strong market. WWE has hit 6,000 in Charleston twice in the last decade. For house the, shows. Yes, that's, that's a good point. And the 1999 WCW sold out pay-per-view show uh, drew a sellout several weeks in advance with 10,225 paid. Of course, that's a weekend show, not a Wednesday night. But that was a famously awful <laughs> pay per view. That's the uh, the NWO. Wow, that's the NWO show. Okay. Yeah, with oh. the NWO refs and and everything. Right. Uh, the, the Miss Miss NWO beauty pageant. Yeah. That show? All yeah. that great stuff. And the really bad looking stage that they con that they try to make it look bad. I think it had like a Scott a Scott Norton versus Virgil match too. It was a pretty that bad show. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, as Nate said earlier, the Coliseum has never sold out. And the record for the whole city was that 1999 show, 10,225. So this would set a record for a Charleston event and uh, would sell out this venue for the first time ever. Uh, obviously, you know, they're close to some other major cities, but it's going to be hard to draw them in because it's Wednesday night. But there is what Nate was talking about, that draw of it being the first time that something like this has happened. So Yes, not as many people can come as they could on the weekends because you can't take off work. But people are going to travel for this show. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But that's the what you're saying, Nate. That is AEW, right? That the whole the point of AEW is to serve fans who have not been served, who are being forgotten by WWE. Yeah, either WWE fans or begrudging or unhappy WWE fans or totally lapsed fans or you know uh, fans from. Uh, you know, two versions of pro wrestling prior where something totally different in those markets, like hopefully getting just an alternative that is watchable. I Okay, I know Mike's not going to, but I think they're going to, I'm not sure that it's going to happen tomorrow, but I think they're going to sell out this place. I think it's going to do well. I'm not going to be um, conservative on these estimates anymore. I think it's going to do really well. If it's never sold out before, I'm not going to say that it's going to sell out, but like that, that market, I just feel like is hungry just from anecdotal sort of things. Like they want, they want this. I'm going to go on a limb and I think that within a week it will sell out. If only because of, think because of like, you already have University of West Virginia there. You're close enough to Marshall. You're within driving distance. Also, if you're someone that is a big wrestling fan, you're, you're driving distance of Pittsburgh too. Like that was something I didn't realize until I looked it up. Like the yeah, they were just there the week before. If you're a big enough wrestling fan, twenty dollars to go see a show. You know, I mean, that's true. I, I've I've paid more money to see shows on a whim than that. I mean, also you're close enough. I think you're like an hour and a half away from uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. So Virginia Tech. I mean, there's just a lot of college, that, and that seems to be one thing that they're really targeting. And I know that uh, Dave talked about Zane Brezloff about that somewhat about how like this was when Zane Brezloff was in charge of WCW doing events. He made sure to bring them all to college to campuses and like college hotbed areas. This is a good college hotbed area. So who's to say like this? I mean, 
when I was an undergrad, when I wasn't making bad decisions, $20 for a wrestling show sounded great. So I, I think you could do it now. I'm not being optimistic, Mike. I paid like shit. I don't know, 60 bucks to see a TNA house show when I was in college. <laughs> just cause like I was hungry to see wrestling. And also like in college, if you have like a big event on your campus, it's like, well, what the fuck? Why not? Like I can yeah. pregame and get stupid drunk in my dorm and then walk over there and have a great time. Like you have a captive audience sort of. It's also smart that these are going on sale before they announce other cities because you could easily see people from Kentucky or Ohio making the trip because they don't know yet whether there's going to be a, a TV show uh, in our area. So, I mean, it's about a three and a half hour drive from Louisville, but there are other parts of Kentucky that are even closer to Charleston. So, I mean, I could see it happening. Okay, other news about TV that we got this week was that the first AEW show on TNT is going to be an introduction pay-per-view hype show on August 30 at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the idea is to do hype shows before the pay-per-views, similar to how UFC used to do them for Spike. We kind of heard that there was going to be something like this, but uh, it's going to be the night before All Out and presumably have a little build for, or, you know, some some buzz for the TV show. Yeah, this sounds like straight up what they did for ITV for Double or Nothing. Hopefully, you know, they've been doing these sit-down interviews with JR. Maybe we'll get championship committee member Jake Whitehall back out here for it. I mean, the title will be decided the next day. I mean, he should be around there for the title. I mean, he I know he's not a member of the committee, but I'm still having my my kayfabe committee in my mind of him, Billy Gunn, and Golden Boy. But I think this is great, and this shows the level of commitment that TNT and Warner Media has. And to be honest... I, I think that if they continue to do well, we could maybe see possibilities that maybe buy-ins moves to TNT before the shows. We might be seeing more kind of content like this, and it's just nothing but positives to show you like how TNT and Warner seem to be getting behind the product and realize how big the, the kickoff show will be. Yeah, I'd really like to see the buy-in go on TNT, the way that they do it for UFC. It's always like the first hour is always on cable. Uh, I would love to see that. I mean, I don't know if that's, I mean, it's a Sunday night. I guess that's a pretty big night for television. So, or no, they do Saturday nights. AEW does Saturday nights. But yeah. still, you know, right in prime time, that might be tough, but it'd be nice. All right, All Out. Let's talk All Out. It's coming up soon. Next week, we're going to have a full preview of All Out. We hope to have a very special guest for that preview uh, we're not going to tell you until it actually happens <laughs> who that guest might be. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Road to All Out 7. And I do want to run down the card just briefly. Not going to get into all the matches, but just a reminder of what we're about to see. And there have been some updates, so we'll uh, pop those in. So Road to All Out 7, Lexi Nair, who I have learned is Diamond Dallas Page's daughter, is in the AEW Control Center. So we've had a new person, I think, every every time we've gone to the Control Center. This is really like the you you hope this is like the full extent of nepotism in this in the company. Like everybody has to be somebody's son or daughter. She did a good job, though. I thought it was totally, totally like, competent, no complaints. But like we're yeah, we're bad. stretching the bounds of where there's like a a reaction to it, and you're like, come on. Yeah, I yeah. I think we we might be about eight weeks away from uh, one of us showing up there. I think I could see Nate in the in the room right there just i'm, not, I'm not related to anybody in that so that's my <laughs> who's to say it's just that i mean they've had our good close friend chris van vliet show up he's related to fred van vliet this is what i'm saying 
Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. So Lexi Nair, what a name, by the way, is in the AW Control Center. She starts with a little video building up the Bucks Lucha Brothers match for All Out. And then we get a, a Bucks interview here. This is not the way they've done most of these packages. And the Bucks are talking about how they usually have the advantage because they're literal brothers, but they don't have that here because the Lucha Brothers are brothers. So it's more of an even playing field. They're going to have to find a new way uh, to win the match. Uh, but they point out that the Lucha Brothers have never been in a ladder match with them. They were surprised that the Lucha Brothers would want to have a ladder match with them, considering their history in those matches. And they say that when the stakes are the highest, the Young Bucks prevail. This was fine. I thought this wasn't the strongest promo they've had on these things, but the Bucks, I don't think, are a very strong promo to begin with, so I thought they were fine here. I think the, the Bucks are a really strong promo, but this is not the style of promo that they're super suited for. Like, they're better at, like, you know, ironic or jokey sort of mic work. Um, but this was, at minimum, like, a lot better than their super serious promo that they tried to do on BTE, that one that they shot in black and white. Like, this is just presented so much better than that and at least made them seem like as you know serious and like not all in jokey at the same time um this whole episode was like very competent promos i thought like nothing blow away but just like sort of straightforward right down the middle of the plate kind of promos in fairness there's not much they could do to get me personally excited for this match like short of one of the lucha brothers like shoot fucking one of the young bucks wives I don't think I could get excited about uh, about this match. It's rude. I'm just saying if that happened, there'd be some real personal vendettas. Yeah, that'd be fucking Russo shit, dude. <laughs> no, I'm some saying real... if it happened in real life. Oh. Aye, okay. Yeah, that's what Weird. I'm Weird. We do not endorse Mr. Bentley's comments. <laughs> uh, there was a short little video announcing that the private party versus uh, Angelico and Jack Evans is going to be on the buy-in the pre-show before All Out. So we'll talk about that next week. And then we have JR sitting down with Hangman Page, or Hangman, as JR calls him. And this is a good little interview. Uh, Page says, a lot of people see a guy who's done this before inter introducing AEW to the world. You know, the idea that everybody's already decided Chris Jericho's winning the match because it makes the most sense for him to be the champion on the first episode of TV of a new company. And then he says, but... AEW wasn't built on recognizable personalities. It was built on a bunch of dudes doing cowboy shit, which he's really going with this catchphrase, and I <laughs> respect it. I like it. It's a good catchphrase. It's the strongest thing here. It is. And then he gets kind of mixed up in this part, but I, the point he's getting at is Chris Jericho wants to win the match, but Adam Page needs to win the match. And this is like, – he struggles here, but he finally gets to a strong point, which is no matter what happens in this match, Chris Jericho is going to be fine in this company. They're going to keep going back to Chris Jericho. But for Paige, this could be the only opportunity he gets uh, for this level, at this level of a, a championship. I don't want to say a championship opportunity. Fuck. <laughs> but, Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> but it could be the only opportunity he gets. And he notes that even, you know, his parents are going to be there, that they raised him on a tobacco farm. And his dad told him since he was young, you know, you're going to have to find something else to do with your life because this is dying. And he said, you know, he's hoping to be able to show them that he's found it. Yeah. That whole middle part of the promo you were talking about where he's saying Chris Jericho's weakness is he's desperate to win this. Uh, and I have to win it. Like you're 
So is that a weakness for you also? Like the content of it was pretty strained. Um, yeah, yeah. And also like the, the presentation is also maybe not his super strong suit. Like want to see like the baby face fire from him. Want to see like that intensity in the promo where he ripped the stitches out of his head. Want to see that sort of cowboy shit. This is him like sitting in a sort of a muted context and being like, yeah, I really want to win. I have to win. This is my chance to win. Like you're also like a young guy. Like, so yeah, again, competent, absolutely not blow away. I think what he was trying to say was his weakness is he doesn't have the same desperation I do, but it didn't come out that way at all. That I kind of like retconned that after the fact. So. Yeah, I think you're doing a lot of work for him there. <laughs> I, I, I kind of see that though. Like, I, I, I see where Bentley's coming from with that, especially because I like him talking about like growing up on the tobacco farm and. I feel like that's something that if it if there was a, a lane for him to go for that, that could be a very compelling thing for him to be, especially the kind of baby face that they would like to have on this with him talking about that. So I thought that was okay. I thought that I, I do feel like it was a little scattered. I wish he would have picked a lane and stuck with it, but there was enough interesting things here that I felt like it was a better promo than usual. And they have not really done a good service for him leading up to this match anyways. And I thought this was at least them trying a little bit in that way. Yeah. He needed the pock match. He needed to have a blow away pock match on the first show. He didn't get it. He had the shitty battle Royale. Um, people, yeah. You know, people that weren't already way in on him, people that weren't established BTE fans or people that watched all his matches in the G one still do not see him as on Jericho's level for this match. He needs the horse. They have to have the horse for the entrance. It has to happen. Like that's the only way they're gonna get him up to that level in time for the match. I think the idea. I, I mean, yes, we all know that no matter what happens here, Paige is going to be a featured part of this promotion. But if he could really dive into that idea, there's a compelling story to be told there that this might be his only shot. I think he could he could sell that to us, but he kind of just hinted at it a little here. And didn't. I don't even I don't even like that point really because he's young and we're supposed to believe he's talented, right? And wins and losses are supposed to matter. So he's supposed to be able to win matches and get himself in a good position. So, yeah, that's kind of like, oh, this might be the only chance they give me. Like, why? You're going to be wrestling for 10 more years. Are you going to lose the rest of your matches? Because then maybe you shouldn't win. That's fair. At the same time, you could do it in, like, showing, okay, this is where I came from, and I knew that, like, this is my opportunity here because I've come from this, this, this way of life that no longer exists, and this is what I've been trying to do. Like if you're someone who's followed Adam page, you know that like he graduated from college at age 20, like he graduated from Virginia tech in two and a half years. And he was teaching and trying to wrestle pretty much as a teenager. Like there is a, it's like when I said like, there's a lane for him to go down and they can make this into a compelling thing. I think you could still use this. And maybe I'm just like fan book in my head. I would go back to Aaron's Creek. I think that's where he's from, right? Aaron's Creek, Virginia. Aaron's Creek. Yeah. And like, have his family like he's talking about his family coming out to this like there is compelling stuff there to be make of this it's just the lane that they chose down this about this being his only shot maybe that's one thing but the overall thing if like choosing that versus like i'm my life was hard coming to this point and my dad said that i had to find something and i found this that's the lane that they should have gone down with this promo maybe that's what i was trying to say before yeah no i hard agree with that that stuff was way more compelling like the lying about, oh, you're going to have to find something else to do because what our family does is not going to continue working. That was very compelling. That's like a, you can put that shit in a movie. So 
Yeah, hard agree. Go get an interview with Jimmy Valiant or something and like really hammer home the cowboy shit part of his character. And it's like, oh, I came from 200 people in rural Virginia, basically West Virginia, and went and became a pro wrestling superstar and, you know, wrestled around the world because I just went out and fucking did it. That's way more interesting than whatever else he was talking about. Like, I still think he fundamentally is like the most bankable guy if they don't fuck it up. Like, he's the most fundamentally likable babyface out of the elite guys. Like, can we agree on that? Like, it's maybe him and Cody, I think, like as individuals, as <laughs> not not as like characters, but like, you know, individuals behind the characters or whatever. Oh, it's like, they're, they're the one you want to root for the most. So just like hammer home that aspect of it in my opinion. Yeah, because he can even do the, you know, I gave up on, I have found my thing. I became a teacher. I found purpose, you know, all this stuff. And I gave up on that. You know, that's the, the cowboy shit, right? I walked out on this job to uh, go join the Bullet Club and go wrestle in Japan, which is pretty bold if you think about it, uh, for somebody who was not a star <laughs> at that point. So uh, he's a compelling guy. And I they haven't done a great job with him yet, as we've said. So here's hoping that he, I, I mean, I don't have high hopes for this match, but I'm hoping they can pull out something that will catapult him even in a, a likely loss. I also think I said this on a previous show, but he's also the promotion's first homegrown star because he was nobody and they made him a star on BTE. That's how he became an overdrawing character in Ring of Honor. So like, that'd be great continuity to keep that going, but that just hasn't made those connections hit for the people that weren't paying attention to all of that. And that's going to be most of the TV audience. I mean, that's going to be, you have to think like a vast majority of the TV watching audience. Wait, I forgot to say this. Let me throw this in here. At the very end of this interview, he says, I'll do anything to win that championship because I have to. Is there any chance of Paige using some sort of nefarious means to win the title and completely go and heel turn? That's what that line suggests, but I don't think it works when your opponent is Chris Jericho, who's yes. the biggest heel. So yeah. no, I don't think so. But is but is Jericho going to be a babyface in the building? No, I think they've done enough of a job over the last year, really, if you want to include all in with this, of making Jericho into a certifiable heel. Like I don't think that's going to be a big problem for them. You can also get Paige more over as a babyface if he like gestures at doing something like that and then ends up not doing it and that's why he loses or something you can do something yeah like even like even then i think if he does something heelish it's more likely to get a baby face reaction than if jericho does because he's the face and that's also like oh yeah i fucking cheated a little bit well that's cowboy shit so whatever like i, I, I also i think he'll turn would be a bad move so yeah if you're gonna I'm, turn somebody heel against this core elite unit it's got to be marty Skrull. Or somebody, or one of the, like, Cody or Kenny. Kenny knows your top baby face. Cody is, like, already halfway a heel half the time. <laughs> yeah. He and Brandy both just flip all the time. Like, we just saw Brandy being a literal, like, a hardcore heel in the alley match. Like, duped her, lied to her, brought out a second to basically cheat for her, and then just went and cut a baby face promo on Sean Spears the next week. Like they flip and flop all the time. And I think that's just like what we have to accept those characters as being. 
All right, let's talk about the all-out card quickly. I'm going to run down these matches, the new stuff we know. If you guys have anything you want to throw in about a match, you can. But, of course, we will do a full in-depth preview on next week's episode. So the buy-in is going to, I assume, start. I, oh, I could be wrong with this, but uh, the Casino Battle Royale is going to happen on the buy-in. We got three, well, two new talents announced, and we confirmed that Britt Baker has been cleared. So we know she's going to be in there. Sadie Gibbs announced is going to be in there, famous from pissing off Will Ospreay and getting into a Twitter spat with him. Uh, and then, you know, being signed to AEW, but never showing up at anything until until this. Uh, Big Swole announced, known as Ariel Monroe on the Indies, and in a she was in the Mae Young Classic, pretty sure. So uh, had a pretty good showing, as I recall, in that. Okay, so there's going to be, well, there's 21 people, right? Now, this doesn't seem to make sense. You know, the list that we had earlier, and I think it makes sense of what you all, one of you said at the time, which is like, we don't know that these people are actually in the match. Yeah, because, well, because they mentioned, I think, Yuka Sakazaki explicitly, and she has a conflicting booking in Japan, we're pretty sure. Right. So, but yeah, it's all sort of speculative, except for the yeah. names you just mentioned. Well, and we know Teal Piper, Ivelisse, and Jazz are going to be in it. So we know six people. So there's like 15 people left to fill this up with. Um, we do know that B Priestley is likely going to be at the show because she's not on the stardom card that weekend. So it makes sense. I mean, they're in the middle of a of a tournament as we or a league, as we talked about last week. So she's probably going to be there. Uh, I guess they're going to put all their women in this. We we talked before we went on about how they're probably going to add one more match to this main show. So you could see we have women. we have a women's match on the main show. I know we could have we could add another one. Oh, OK. Uh, but they're going to need everybody in this in this battle royale. So. We got that. And then as we talked about a second ago, we got Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans. The main show, the new match that Nate just uh, referred to, Hikaru Shida taking on Riho. This, I mean, I'm very excited about seeing both these folks live and that there's going to be a Joshi match on this show and that it's getting main show time. Uh, this is going to rule. Yeah, this is going to rock. I've... Riho has been incredible. I feel like since ever since she's become part of the promotion, uh, after Yuka Sakazaki, she was the person that kind of impressed me most live in the six uh, one match there. So I'm excited about this. I'm stoked. Yeah, this is um, as I pointed out on Twitter by way of George W. Bushi, uh, the first time these two have met in a singles match, even though they've literally been in tags against and with each other for ten years at this point. Um, so that's pretty cool. I haven't seen, I have seen Hikaru Shida. Um, uh, so I'm more interested to see Riho for the first time and see her Kuru Kuru ribbon move. Cause that moves cool shit. You seen, wait, when did you see Shida? Uh, Shimmer like four oh. or five years ago. I have previously mentioned this, not to brag, but <laughs> sorry. It'll be my first time seeing both. I think so. Very exciting. Okay. Just to run down the rest of this card. Uh, the winner gets first round by in the AEW tag team tournament match. The Dark Order take on the best friends. Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, and Darby Allen in a three-way dance, as Nate would like me to say. Escalera de la Muerte for the AAA World Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks take on the Lucha Bros. Cody versus Sean Spears. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. And for the AEW World Championship, Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho. Anything you guys want to say about that card before we move on? A lot of people being left off at this point. Makes yeah. you think that, and a lot of people who are pretty high up and been focused on 
throughout the programs and the TV stuff or the video stuff are being left off here. I mean, I'm surprised to see SEU off the car at this point, and I don't know how they figure into it unless you have a trios match. So it would be interesting. Yeah, I think we probably get at least one more match added here. But, hey, again, I'm all in favor of people not being on every show. I love people not having matches. That, that makes the other matches more interesting. I just think SCU is so important to this promotion because of how over they are. I think they get a great reaction. I, I've, I'm not sure if I said it on the show or not, but I've discussed it with people that, you know, my first match on the television would be an SCU trios match because the crowd would go crazy for them. It'll seem hot from, from second one of TV. Um, so, but you're right. Maybe it's even better if they don't see them on all out, you kind of leave them wanting a little more for that first TV show. Maybe so. Here's just a take I'm going to throw out. I think SCU is over in that most of the people that go to these shows enjoy the act and enjoy joining in on the whole SCU thing. Like, but uh, they're not like drawing money over. Oh no. I just mean they get a big reaction in the building. Right. And it looks good on TV. Right. They're like where you want undercard acts to be over. Like, oh yeah. You know, everybody's going to get into this little opening tag and then they're going to move on with their lives. The uh, one thing that I would say is I would run back the strong hearts versus SCU trios match. That's what I would do to kick off TV. I mean, I know that with them, it's kind of difficult now because of with Russell one with OWE UK and a lot of other things to get all three of them there, but that's the match I would do to start off TV. Yeah, I agree. And even tighten it up by four minutes and make it a little more of a sprint. That'd be a great opener. Okay, some other news and notes here. Tony Schiavone has reached a deal to join AEW. We don't know what he's going to be doing. WWE and AEW had interest in Tony. Uh, Presumably, AEW is going to make him stop doing the cameos or at least uh, stop referring to oral sex on the cameos. He's just a hustler. Uh, Like He is. You got to respect it. Well, well, like, you know that, like, inside of uh, Atlanta area, he does stuff for University of Georgia. He does stuff for the Gwinnett Braves, the AAA team. Like, he does a lot of things. And he worked at, like, Starbucks for health insurance, which that part sucks. But, like, he's – But, like, at the end of the day, like, he's a hustler. So, let Tony keep his cameo. If he wants to get nasty on cameo, let him get as nasty as he wants to be. (laughs) As nasty as I want to be. Tony Schiavone. Uh, we did learn on Twitter, of course, that nothing had changed about his MLW relationship. So he's, he's still going to be doing some work for MLW. <laughs> uh, apparently, they've worked out a deal with AEW to uh, let him do some work for both. I'm certain he'll be all over the next MLW newsletter. <laughs> well, he's going to be sent out, I think, to the uh, Sports Research Center. <laughs> martial, martial arts, sports science. Yeah. yeah, in like Utah or whatever. Okay, Golden I'm, I'm glad AEW has a equivalent to Evolve that we can all joke about because MLW is sort of like the Evolve of AEW at this point. Yes. Uh, Golden Boys uh, announced on Twitter that he signed some sort of contract. And we got news from Dave Meltzer who said that Golden Boy uh, has been hired by AEW. Uh, and then I love this little note that the person who has production was also talking with Mike Tanay, who's apparently getting a lot of offers but hasn't made any deals. But we do know that Golden Boy is coming in. They got a lot of fucking commentators in this company. Well, they got a great one with Golden Boy, so they're fine now. Don't need to hire anymore. You got Golden yeah. Boy. Golden Boy can thank Mike for that signing because Mike was pushing it from, from I think, even when he was first announced that they should pick up Golden Boy. And he did a great job on the show, so not going to disagree. Um, 
I'm a great tastemaker. I understand what the pulse is and people should listen to me. Uh, yeah. I mean, they do have, the thing is like all those control center people, like they can just be at a green screen at their house, like at YouTube, like those people can get a hundred dollars a pop or something. Like don't really have to have them as part of your full employee roster or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, interesting to see where golden boy fits in on the table. What do you all think about either having different commentary teams for uh, the two hours of TV or having different commentary teams for TV versus your pay-per-views? Those are both options. I guess I don't really, maybe people are fresher if you don't have them out there for two hours, week in, week out, but you probably also don't want to fly people if you're only were using them for an hour. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to save JR for a pay-per-view, that's great. Fine with that. Yeah, I would save like JR for like your big pay-per-view main events. I wouldn't have him on TV every week. That would expose him. I think we've seen what happens when JR is with bad teams also in this promotion. So you'll get some mix and match. I mean, I think the best team they have right now is JR, Golden Boy, and maybe Excalibur because Golden Boy and JR worked well at Fighter Fest. So why not go with that if you're going to have JR every week? Yeah, that's a good team. I think Tony Schiavone works in like a... Uh... I don't know if they're going to do this, but in like a um, Gene Okerlund type role, he could do some interviews that are not backstage, you know, that are more out with the talent. He could do backstage too. I mean, he's a talented guy, but I assume they're going to have him do some sort of commentary. Okay. Private Party and the team of Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt have been announced for the OWE UK Tag Team Tournament. I didn't even know OWE UK existed until like a week ago. <laughs> So OWE UK has kind of, for lack of better words, snuck up a little bit. It's a new promotion. I don't know exactly its relationship to OWE. I don't think it's as nearly as a tight as a tight knit relationship as the OWE Toronto shows were within the promotion. But they're doing five shows from the 19th to the 23rd in England. They're bringing over a lot of the the Chinese guys there. They're having a uh, Gao Jingja, who is the guy who knocked it out of the park in Toronto. They're having Monkey King. They're having uh, Achilles Ben will be there. And he's pretty much the big guy that is supposed to be like the face of the promotion. All Stronghearts will be there. There's uh, going to be a bunch of UK mainstays, the Gymnasty Boys. It, it's going to be an interesting promotion to say the very least of a lot of different things that seems to be selling pretty well. First two shows are at the Dome in London. And then the last three shows are in Liverpool. So I don't know how they're going to air. I know OWE does stuff on Fight TV, so that might be on there, but it's kind of cool stuff. And I think having the, I think having Private Party versus, I think they announced like Private Party versus Monkey King and Achilles Ben, that's an amazing match. Like that's a match I'm excited for. But yeah, so that's something to look forward to, at least in this down period between All Out and TV starting up. Well, so we talked last week about uh, this new Taiwan entertainment show on September 14 that Kenny Omega and OWE are going to be working. And we also learned this week that Riho is going to be working there, too. So pretty tight relationship with AEW. Also, you know, if, if she's going to be in Japan at the time, not quite of a long travel as it would be from the United States. All right, that's it. So it's time for the BTE recap. Nate. All right, uh, BTE recap episode 166, Country Roads. Roads as in a street, not as in a Cody or Dustin. 
Uh, opens with Nick Jackson. He's outside and he's crawling extremely slowly toward a ladder in the foreground, really handing it up in your classic Young Bucks fashion. Um, he gets to the ladder, starts climbing it, you know, again, just straining, putting forth so much effort here, really going full pro wrestling on it. Gets to the top and he starts cleaning out his gutters. Um, just a good, you know, cute little premise of, hey, a pro wrestling thing in real life. Um, they did a weird thing where they really washed out the video here, I guess, that they thought it would look more dramatic. But a little little joke to set up your Escalera de la Muerte. Did I get it that time? Great job, mate. Thank you. Um, and then we go to a real live backstage shot of Matt on his phone getting word that both of the first TV, or I'm sorry, the second and third TVs sold out. 9,022 minutes for Philly and 6,000 in Boston for in about 57 minutes. Uh, we cut to SCU somewhere up in Canada, to Toronto, for that uh, SummerSlam weekend with the OWE shows. Um, and they don't like it. Stock to tell you that the SCU guys do not like the town that they happen to be in at this moment. Uh, and we get Sammy Guevara now um, running into Brandon Cutler. And he says, hey, man, you had a good match. And this time he actually watched it. Um, so they're really uh, kind of putting forth this little pairing as a thing. Um, and, he, and Sammy starts putting over uh, Cutler, you know, starts talking about as good as match was. Says, no wonder they call you Cutler. You're freaking cut up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> really so good. Just stupid. He's such a goon. I like his character on this. He's tremendous. Yeah, yeah he's good. Um, you want to see him get his ass beat, right? I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've always been a fan. Uh, and I, I meant to mention this last week when I brought up Sammy Guevara's blog and I forgot to. They actually advanced this little pairing on that episode where after a match in Toronto, they did the same gimmick that we previously saw on a prior BTE of Cutler flipping the line on Sammy and saying, hey, hey, your match was good. I didn't see it, but I heard it. And they did that you know, joke, razzing him back on that. So uh, this is another installment of that little bit. Then we get a plug from the Bucks about their new Superkick Fiesta shirt. They uh, say they've been studying for Escalera de la Muerte, as we saw with the gutter cleaning. Uh, pretty good shirt, I guess. I hate it. I think it's busy as hell, and I think it is busy as hell. It's off, but not. It's fine. I thought it was pretty good, really, compared to your typical wrestling shirts. There is a pretty good Kenny Omega one on the pro wrestling stores, oh. pro wrestling tees store, also. You, you like the one that has the Razor logo built into it? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the so the razor logo is like three snakes? It has one snake. I'm well, looking down at my razor mouse right now to, to verify. <laughs> the, the, there's various razor snakes on it, but I've seen it be just the one for stuff too. So whoever said it looks like a prog rock 70s prog rock album cover was right. I think that was out. Um, so. yeah, yeah, but so. you know, a good it's like a good distinctive design that you don't see on other wrestling shirts, but it still matches his character. So well done. Uh, and, you know, like a Razor sponsorship, like it's gamer shit. So I know all the cool people that never play video games online are like, ah, oh, so fucking lame. Like, it's kind of like having real sponsorships is like kind of cool. Like we're not talking about WWE, Instagram, you know, having their flat tummy tea or whatever the fuck. Like this is like having Razor on your gear is closer to like, uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the worst NBA sponsorship on the jersey? Amway. Amway. Uh, I don't know. You didn't really give me much time to think about this. Hey, now you know how it feels. <laughs> but yeah, a multi-level marketing firm. I think that's pretty heinous. And if they want, they want to go down the whole gamer thing. I mean, you can get auto insurance, diet pepper. Oh wait, so somebody has like a payday 
Leonard oh yeah, I forgot Leonard. about that. For an NBA team? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, good country. Bad. All right, uh, moving on. Da, da, da. Uh, and we go back to Brandon and Sammy. And, and Cutler's on the phone with his wife. He's weirded out that Sammy actually complimented him this time and did not roast him as they've been roasting each other. Uh, he gets a knock at the door and realizes that his room is attached to Sammy's in the hotel. So they uh, sort of start getting along now. They decide to go work out since they're not doing anything else. They do a little montage of them flipping into the pool, having fun. They trade merch with each other. And then you really get the money shot where they're skipping around a giant, like a... Uh, uh, a garden or like a fucking shrubbery sculpture of a maple leaf since they're in Canada and we get a drone shot of like it going high. So you re- reveal the whole maple leaf. They, they got to get Sammy on all these. So he could brings his drone expertise. Big pop for me for the drone shot, mainly just because of Nate, like Nate built that entire story for me, but that was a good payoff. He, um, the drone shots are great. He edits his own vlogs very well. I talk about it probably too much, but it, it's in stark contrast when you've watched all these BTs, I guess. Yeah, he has like a gimbal too on his camera, on his vlog. Like he definitely puts a lot more effort into this than, oh, hey, Jeff Jones just got us a new camera. Like he's puts the time into it. And it's pretty production. I like it. All right, now we get a new Rick Knox bit. He uh, comes up to Orange Cassidy, who's lying there on the ground with his sunglasses on. And Rick thinks that he is knocked out so he starts doing the old wrestling knockout count where he raises his arm once raises his arm twice raises his arm a third time but he does not actually get his arm up that's sort of the way that orange cassidy subverts these things his arm just falls there um rick knocks his during the bell and they cut in the exact bell ringer shot from like fighter fest where they started doing this bit which was just a funny little thing uh and then uh, i think peter avalon pulls off orange cassidy's sunglasses and he's like staring into the camera dead like he's not asleep he's just like catatonic i don't know we'll be interested to see if uh, orange cassidy becomes a major sketch comedy player on these vlogs all right and now we get bt mailbag uh, nick jackson is asked if aw will ever have a video game he flatly says yep and that's the end of the question so that's pretty much your confirmation that it is like a done deal and probably you know uh, in some level of production already uh, Matt Jackson is asked what match he is most looking forward to besides his own at All Out. He says the world title match. Um, and then we go back to Cutler. He's now with Chris Daniels. He's uh, ready to leave Canada with CD, but he forgets his passport. So he, he realizes Sammy's still at the hotel, gives him a call. Um, and Sammy answers the phone and he says, no, no, Brandon, I haven't seen your passport, but I have heard it. And he dunks it into the <laughs> trash can. He has the password. He dunks the tra- password into the trash can, so it makes a pleasant little noise. Um, just like a very, that's a funny way to fucking own somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Throw away their passport. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I can hear your passport. I don't know. This, this amused me quite a bit. It was funny. I've actually left my passport in a hotel in Canada. Like, this is actually hit a little too close to home. I was at a wedding in Nova Scotia, left my passport as I was driving to the airport to Halifax, drove all the way back there, got my passport, drove back to Halifax airport, missed my flight, got mm. on a second flight. That second flight got in so late into Newark airport that I sat in Newark airport for seven hours, to get another flight back. Don't lose your passport folks. It sucks. Yes. Don't do it. Nate, please remind me not to lose my passport in Japan. Okay. Will do. Thanks. All right, and 
Now we go back to the uh, locker room at AAA's Triple Mania, going back in time to when they were discussing the future shows, and we get the actual reveals of what those shows are. So Kenny reveals that he picked Pittsburgh because he's a big hockey fan. Um, I know Meltzer on his show assumed this was like Canada because he was a big hockey fan. So just funny. Um, and we cut, of course, to Britt Baker, um, and she plugs this because she loves Pittsburgh show so much. She's Pittsburgh's own. She went to dental school by the arena, etc. cetera. Uh, and they actually put Britt on the poster for this one, which was good, uh, along with Hangman, Kenny, MJF, Moxley, and Jericho for that show. And then we get a weird <laughs> segment where Cody's like sitting on a chair and what's obviously like a fake, I don't know, it looks like a fake garage behind him on the green screen. I can't even totally guess what they were going for with this virtual setting they had him in. Uh, but a guy in full Steelers gear comes up. This might have been Sunny Days. Was Dylan Frimer, the editor of the uh, Road 2 segments? I think this was him. Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay. And he gives him a guitar. Uh, and Cody starts singing Country Roads. Uh, he is not a very melodic singer, um, but he does try. So, you know, it's sort of like a, um, I'm not going to comment on his singing. Cody, my man, if you're listening, and I know you are. I learned, If I learned one thing when I was uh, studying theater, it was this. Right or wrong, you got to do it strong. If you're a bad singer, you can't try to like just kind of barely sing so nobody hears it. Just sing out, my man. You're a big star. Just do it. People will like it anyway. They'll just think it's funny. So, you know, just let it go. I will, there's a, a long tradition of bad singing on this show. Yeah, um, do it. But yeah, Marty, when Marty's on it, he goes all out with the bad singing. He really leans into it, full-voiced, full-throated, and belts out the fucking terrible Backstreet Boys songs that he does, and that works to his advantage. So, yeah. Um, and so in the background now, there's no longer this fake garage. We get, like, scenic shots of roads and the country and shit. Uh, so for West Virginia, they only have Cody, Hangman, Moxley, and Jericho on that poster. So I guess they don't uh, know who else is going to be on that show at this time. Still working on putting the guard together, maybe. Well, that's... Well, no, we... Yeah, do we know that that's going to be the first title defense? I forget. We do know that's the first. Uh, that's where they're crowning the tag team champion now. Okay. Okay. All right. Is that BTE Nate? That is BTE Aaron. Okay. Uh, quick uh, stardom talk. Yeah, let's Mike, do it. Mm -hmm. How much have you watched of the five star Grand Prix? I watched a lot of the first night of it. Okay. I mean, I'm so proud of Konami, of course. Like that sure. was pretty solid. Uh, poor Kiona. Like I know the results, but Kiona is not doing so hot. Like no, no. Especially like given like her and Utami have good chemistry, I was not feeling that match as much as I was hoping. And oh, I love that match. Really, I I kind of was I like it was great. I don't know. Maybe it's that I really love the Goddess tag match in Nagoya, and I thought that that was a super strong match. And versus that, uh, I did see something that I thought was interesting that um so andrus miyaki's former promotion sendai girls is helping promote dragon gate's show next week so that'll be really interesting so it's kind of funny you have a sendai girls t-shirt on i have a mochizuki dojo t-shirt on there. oh so oh, no yeah. we're partners now we're not fighting we're partners yeah 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 we're doing that but no i i think it's cool uh the more i see saya kamatani i i think she might be the truth you know yeah she's great so Red Stars block, 
We got Hanakamura at four points, Natsu and Avery at zero points. Everybody else at two yeah. points. Easy. I mean, we've only had two shows so far. In the Blue Stars block, we have B Priestley, Utami Hayashita, and Jamie Hayter at four points. Kagetsu and Konami at two points. Everybody else at zero points. So a little more bunched up at the top in the blue block. Uh, standout matches so far for me was Utami versus Kiona from the first night and Momo versus Hazuki from the first night. Um, but not nothing like really blow away so far. If you if you look on my start a match guide, which you can find on the pinned tweet on my Twitter account, those are only two matches to make it into the recommended category. So not a lot of crazy high quality stuff so far. It seems like it's like six minute matches, six, seven minute matches because of how they're doing everyone except for one match each night. So it's kind of a mess in that regard that like you're not getting a whole lot of it. Like, is it a 15 minute time limit? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but you know, there's, I'm kind of surprised that uh, Arisa is finally taking losses like this, like, especially like Jamie like that. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Well, I mean, I, I called the Jamie win on the last episode of this podcast. Uh, Arisa has had not taken any falls in singles matches since she returned to stardom, has lost her first two matches, so pretty wild. But, yeah, it's kind of like sprinty stuff. It's like you know back when the G1 was good and all the matches were sprints. That's what this is like, so that's nice. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Only, only two nights down so far. So that's stardom corner. And uh, I guess that's everything. So anything else you all want well, to talk about? Well, I do about? want to note, if you would prefer that we close the show with something besides Stardom Talk, if sure. you leave us a five-star review on our yeah. uh, podcast page on the podcast app, which was formerly part of the iTunes storefront or something, uh, <laughs> and, and you mentioned something in there that you're more interested in hearing about, then we'll talk about it. Yes. Uh, I, do, I do want to shout out our friend of the show, Nia Nub or, or Chain. Uh, who shouted out the brunch that we went to um, before the hog show in Queens. Uh, very memorably good brunch. Uh, and to my recollection, Aaron was not there, yeah. but Shane did. Shane did note that uh, you seemed like a sweetheart when you briefly shook hands with him at the show. Well, thank I you. Wanted, so he Shane, you know, he's right that we're a five-star show. He's maybe a little uh, misinformed about that, but uh, we appreciate the support. Shane. Thank you, Shane. We welcome all five-star mm-hmm. reviews. And, uh, yeah, if they're entertaining, we'll read parts of them. But, yeah, feel free. If there's something else you'd like us to fit into this little corner of the show, we'd be happy to discuss it. I don't remember why I wasn't at brunch. I mean, it seems like something I would I do. you went to eat with your wife, probably. Oh, well, that is so, what uh, I do. I, I don't I, think Tab went either. It was like us yeah. and Oat and Nate, too. And, okay, Nate. Nate, okay. Oat, yeah, Nate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Shane. Uh, I think that was... I think that was the group. Uh, I am a wife guy. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was. Oh, and, and Thoros probably, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think y'all were with uh, Taub and Alyssa. Oh, that's right. We had brunch with uh, AT and his girlfriend, and then AT and uh, SB and I took the train up, and it was, for a New York City guy, Taub did us wrong. Uh, yeah, that's right. We were out waiting for you waiting guys. For y'all, yeah. took so long. That's right. Drake was already there in the building. Like, I think I had the tickets, right? Yeah. yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, did, I did eventually just ask them, hey, uh, can we go in? We don't have our tickets yet. And they just let me in. And I, and I said, like, 
oh yeah, we'll be there in uh, 10 minutes or whatever. And we were like 45 minutes. Yeah. Ridiculous. Queens expert, Aaron Taub. Queens expert, Aaron Taub. Well, it turned out we needed to get on the Long Island Railroad really to get there. But Tao was like, no, it'll be fine. And it wasn't fine, Tao. It wasn't fine. It's got to be de Blasio's fault, I'm sure. He's going to blame de Blasio. Yeah. No, it's Cuomo's fault. Cuomo's fault. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Thanks, everyone, uh, for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show, that you are getting these as soon as they're ready every Thursday night. Leave us the review that we talked about. Follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. You can find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, that's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. And that's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. 